Good morning. It is a beautiful day out. Um, I'm glad that you all decided to come out and be with us here this morning. Um, this morning, we're going to be talking about expecting the unexpected. And uh, I think this morning has actually been a perfect example of that already. Um, for a lot of you, you came in this morning expecting to hear Brother Ed preach this morning. So that was unexpected. I guess it'll remain to be seen whether that's a good unexpected or a bad unexpected. And I'm sure you'll let me know by the end. So um, also, Brother Mark walked in this morning. He was not in a wheelchair this morning. So that's a perfect example of the unexpected, right? That Mark was able to do that. I wasn't expecting that, but I couldn't be more excited to see him do that this morning. So this morning, we are going to spend some time just working through expecting the unexpected, and we're going to do that by, by working our way through some stories in the Bible as well. But you probably also weren't expecting to see a giant panda sitting on our stage this morning either. Now, for those of you who don't know, I am the youth minister here, and somehow or another, and I really don't know how this got started, but this panda has become kind of a uh, mascot for the youth group. Again, I, I really don't know how that got started, but somehow it did, and it's been around for as long as I can remember, and, and every once in a while it makes an appearance here in the sanctuary. So, um, But this morning we're going to talk a little bit about expecting the unexpected. So as most of you know by now, um, a couple weeks back we announced to the church that my wife and I are actually expecting another baby. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> Without going into details, let's just say that was a little unexpected, right? I wasn't, uh, wasn't exactly prepared for that news, um, but I couldn't be more thrilled. But what the, what I wanna, the point I want to make to you guys this morning is it's just the perfect example of how the unexpected turned into a blessing for us. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning is how with God we should be able to expect the unexpected and what some of the results of that are. Now, one of my favorite things to do is to go back to what may be some pretty familiar Bible stories and really dig into those stories and really look at the subplots of those stories and really look at the meanings behind those stories and maybe quite possibly uh, tackle those stories from an angle that maybe you haven't heard of or you haven't thought of before or maybe you haven't, maybe it's just a refresher for you. But that's kind of where we're going to go with this here this morning is we're going to talk just a little bit about a couple of different Bible stories and of course we're going to wrap up by talking a little bit about Jesus because uh, that's the ultimate expecting of the unexpected. Charlotte, can you turn it down just a little? It's kind of ringing up here. Thank you. All right, so let's get started. We are going to start off this morning uh, talking a little bit about expectations. Now, there's three kind of laws when you talk about expectations, right? When your expectations are met, you're satisfied, right? So when I go to Chick-fil-A, not on Sundays, of course, but when I go to Chick-fil-A, I expect to get hot, fresh chicken, right? I expect my order to be right, and I kind of expect the people working there to be overly friendly, right? Because that's what we've learned that kind of that's how Chick-fil-A does their business. But that's what I expect when I walk in there, and when that happens, I'm satisfied, okay? The second thing we're going to talk about with, with expectations is when they exceed your expectations, you're thrilled, right? Think of a time when your expectations were just absolutely blown out of the water. You couldn't be more excited when that happens. A little while back, I took some of our youth group um, down to Raising Cane's to get chicken on a Wednesday night, I think it was. Um, we decided we'd go off campus and, and have, some, have some dinner. So we went to go have dinner, and I got to talking to the manager at, uh, at Raising Cane's, and he was kind of asking me, hey, are you guys a school group? Are you a sports team? 
kind of, you know, what, what brings you guys in this evening? And I, and I told him that, you know, this was our youth group, Mission Viejo Church of Christ, and we were on, a, on an outing and just, you know, coming in to have some dinner with you guys. And uh, he asked me a few questions, and we struck up a little bit of a conversation. I really didn't think too much of it. He's the manager. That's kind of his job. Um, but a few minutes later, about 10 or 15 minutes later, he walks over to the table that I'm sitting at, and he's got a stack of gift cards for free meals and free drinks and things like that. And he says, hey, uh, thanks so much for bringing your youth group in. I really appreciate it. And I wanted to give something to you guys for coming in. So take these gift cards and use them as prizes or giveaways or however you see fit. But, but I just wanted to do that for you. And it was a pretty sizable stack of gift cards. Um, so in that case, my expectations were not only met, but they were above and beyond. And I couldn't have been more excited, right? It's less money I got to spend out of the youth budget. Now, the flip side of this coin, and kind of our third thing that we're going to look at, is what happens when our expectations are not met, right? What happens when you go into something expecting one thing, and you get exactly the opposite? That might be the case this morning. You came in expecting Ed, and you got me. I don't know. But when you, when you have a certain expectation, and you have something in your head and something in your mind of the way something's going to work, and it doesn't, you're disappointed, Right? So as we work our way through our stories today, we're going to talk a little bit about were expectations met, were expectations exceeded, or were expectations not met. And that's kind of how we're going to preface and kind of how we're going to frame this today. And again, we're going to look at some stories that aren't going to be new stories for you guys. The first story we're going to look at is the Battle of Jericho. Now, this is one of my favorite Bible stories for a lot of different reasons. Um, and we're going to kind of kind of work through this a little bit as we go. But it's just a cool story. And for those of you who may not be familiar with the story, or maybe you haven't looked at this story in a while, um, this is when the Lord spoke to Joshua and told him to take the Israelites and to conquer the city of Jericho. So that's kind of the, the, the location, kind of the characters. But he literally got marching orders from God that this is what he expected him to do, and this is what he wanted to do. Now, this story in the Bible, as you guys know, is a very, very long story, so I am not going to read the entire thing to you. But I've picked out a couple of different passages that I think are going to help us as we work through this. So I'm going to pick up, and if you'd like to turn in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 6, we're going to pick up in verse 3. So Joshua chapter 6, verse 3. It's also on the screens in green for St. Patrick's Day. Um, if you don't have your Bible handy or you don't want to go to your Bible app. But picking up in Joshua chapter 6, verse 3, it starts out, and these are Joshua's marching orders from the Lord. It says, March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. So what we're looking at is we're looking at Joshua kind of getting his marching orders, right? He's being told by the Lord what it is that he is to do. As we continue through verse 6, it says, So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry seven trumpets in front of it. So here's the scene. The Lord tells Joshua, hey, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go march around the city. I want you to blow some horns, and magically, the city walls are going to crumble. And Joshua says, no problem, I got it. 
right? We don't see any back and forth. He understands that this is what the Lord is asking him to do, and he's going to do it, and he has no problem with that. But let's look at some of the other people involved in this story, okay? So Joshua's on board, right? And he's telling the priest, this is what I want you guys to do. This is what I expect you to do. But let's think about the army involved. How do you think that message went out to the army? Be like if I said to all of you folks, hey guys, let's, uh, let's all walk out the back door and we're going to walk around the church seven times and the church is going to change colors. Right? You guys would all look at me like I was absolutely crazy. That's kind of how I see this going down when Joshua is given down these orders, right? I see this going down as, wait a minute, what? We're going to march around the city every day? So we're going to go out and march all the way around Mission Viejo every single day? That doesn't make any sense right? So you can imagine that the expectations of the people in the army were probably, what are we doing here? What is the point of this? This, There's no way this is going to work. Let's think about the people in the city, right? So the city is kind of on lockdown, right? We read, if you read, go back and read the the pretext to this, the city's kind of on lockdown. So they're they're aware that this is going to happen and they're preparing for this and they've got the city locked down. No one's coming in, no one's going out. How do you think they're thinking as they see this group marching around the, the, the city? The first day, they're probably like, uh-oh, we're under attack. The second day, they're like, what are they doing? By the sixth day, they're probably like, I don't understand this at all. They're just wandering around in circles around the city. Hi, Lucas. <laughs> and by the seventh day, the people in the city are expecting probably nothing. They're expecting these guys to walk around the city and nothing is going to happen. So let's pick up in our story and let's jump ahead to verse 20. It's like I said, this is way too much to read the whole thing. But if we pick... Hi, Lucas. If we pick up in verse 20... We pick up in verse 20, it says, When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout... The wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. They devoted, they devoted the city to the Lord and des- destroyed with the sword every living thing. So what we see is Joshua expected victory. And why did Joshua expect victory? Because he had God on his side. Right? Because he believed that if God said it, it was going to happen. So his expectation was everybody else's unexpected. But it worked. And it worked because he had God on his side. Right? Do we do the same thing sometimes? Right? We think that our problems are so big, there's no way that God can fix them. We don't expect God to fix them. But we, what we forget is, instead of telling God that we have a big problem, we need to tell our problems we have a big God, right? And he can do amazing things. And he has shown us that he can do amazing things. And this is a perfect example of him doing amazing things. Cities don't just crumble. But when God is in the mix, they do. So even though this was extremely unexpected to pretty much everybody involved with the exception of probably Joshua and the priests, God delivered exactly what he said he would deliver. So we're going to jump ahead to another Old Testament story. 
And again, this is a very familiar story to probably everybody in this building. But we're looking at the story of David and Goliath. And you, and you all know this story, right? We've got this Philistine giant. He's nine feet, nine inches tall or somewhere thereabouts. So that would be like if Carter put Michael on his shoulders and then went to fight one of us, right? Nine feet tall. I'm just shy. Well, I'm a little shy of six feet tall. So imagine three feet taller than me, right? So he sees this giant, and this giant has been calling out their army for days and days and days, saying, hey, somebody come fight me. And everybody said, no way, dude. There is no way I'm fighting you. And why is that? Because they expected to lose. They said, there's no way that we can go against this guy and win, so why do it? So every day, day after day, day after day, somebody come and fight me. No way. Nope. Nope. Not going there. Not going down that road. So let's pick up in 1 Samuel verse, uh, chapter 17, verses 42 through 44. And this is Goliath saying about Goliath. He looked David over and saw that he was a little man, excuse me, little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome And he despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. And then if we pick up in verse 45, it says, David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. <clears throat> this day the Lord will devour, deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give you carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. So again... It's about expectations, right? Nobody wanted to fight Goliath because they knew they couldn't win. Even the people in David's camp, even David's family said, don't do it, you can't win. So everybody said it. Everybody expected him to lose. It was unexpected that there was any way that this little boy with a sling and a couple of stones could take down a giant. But who expected it? God expected it, and David expected it. So just like what we just talked about, right, in the Battle of Jericho, where Joshua knew he had the Lord on his side, David is saying, you know what? I know you all expect me to lose. Makes sense, right? This little guy going against a giant, I should lose. I shouldn't win this battle. But... And I know you're all familiar with the story, and we'll get there in just a second. But David had the courage to expect the victory because he had God. He didn't say, God, this is a big man. There is no way I can fight him. He said, I've got a big God who can take care of this big man. And if we, if we jump just a little bit farther forward to verse 48 and 49. 
It says, as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching to his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell on the ground. And we won't get into the next verse where it gets a little graphic about what happened after that, but we all know what happened after that. So we're talking about David, who was not expected to win, defeating Goliath. And nobody believed him. Goliath didn't believe him. His own people didn't believe him, but he had God on his side. And he said, look, with God, all things are possible. And he puts it into play. So as I mentioned earlier, we're going to talk just a little bit about the life of Jesus. So I hope you guys brought your coffee. I hope you wore your comfy clothes. Because we're going to get into the life of Jesus, and that could take a while. No, I'm only kidding. Um, we're, going to, we're going to just hit the highlight reel of the life of Jesus. But this is the ultimate story of expecting the unexpected. It goes all the way back to the very beginning, right? Nobody expected the Messiah to be born in Bethlehem. Nobody expected the Messiah to be born of a virgin, right? Because that doesn't happen. That can't happen, right? Nobody expected that in his teenage years that Jesus would sit among the teachers of that time and teach them. Because you don't expect a teenage boy to be teaching people who have been studying their whole lives. So that was very unexpected, right? It was unexpected that Jesus would come to this earth and walk as a man and be tempted as a man and go through the trials and the tribulations of a man because that's not what we, what we thought was going to happen, right? The Jews wanted a king. They wanted a king on the throne wearing a crown being carried from town to town with servants and people to take care of his every need and that he was going to come in and just wipe out all the bad guys. That's what they expected because that's what they knew and that's what they had been taught and that's what had been prophesied was that this mighty king would come and they didn't get what they expected. Right? They didn't get what they expected. They wanted a physical king. And if you look at the life of Jesus, and if you look at the, the trials and the tribulations that Jesus went through, we're studying the book of John in youth group, and we're studying over and over and over again where they tried to find fault with Jesus, and they find, tried to find a reason to arrest Jesus. But he did what his father sent him to do. He wasn't the king in the respect that they wanted to see a king. Nobody expected the Messiah to come here and to walk among the people. But that's exactly what he did. He walked the same streets that they walk today. He had dinner with the tax collectors and the prostitutes. He sat with the woman at the well. Jesus' whole life, he did the things that were unexpected to everyone else but who expected it? His father. God had a plan. Jesus came and he fulfilled that plan, even though it didn't make sense to anybody else. And he came to walk and he came to do what he had to do to take care of us. 
And it's amazing as you read through the Gospels to see these different things that he did. And he did these miracles and he did these great things and people still didn't believe that Jesus was who he said he was. And why is that? Because it was about their expectations. Jesus wasn't who they expected him to be. Later on in his life, nobody expected that this Messiah that was going to come to earth, that was going to save us all, to die in his early 30s. All right, we're talking about in the olden days, and Ed mentioned Abraham earlier, and Abraham lived to be, what, 800 and something years old, right? Had a baby when he was very old. I can relate. That's kind of what I feel like I'm going through right now. Having another baby when I feel like I'm very old. But nobody expected him to go to the cross and die for our sins. Yet, that's exactly what he did. He could have stopped it. He could have stopped it. He could have walked away. He could have said, you know what, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to let them arrest me. This is Jesus who healed the blind, who healed the lame. Don't think he couldn't have walked away had he chosen to do so. But he knew that that's not what his father expected him to do. The Father has expectations of us as well, right? And sometimes we forget that because we get wrapped up in what our own expectations are, right? We have a plan for our life. I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do this. And then sometimes God says, no, you're not. Guess what? Your wife's pregnant. (laughs) Totally kidding. And I am very excited about the baby, so don't don't misread that. (laughs) But my point is... Just when you think you got it all figured out is when God comes along and says, (laughs) that's what you thought. Because he knows the plans that he has for us, even though we don't always understand and it doesn't always make sense. He knows. So because of those expectations that God has, Jesus was willing to go to the cross. He was going to be beaten, made fun of, stabbed with a spear, and hung on a cross to die for our sins so that we could come here on a Sunday morning and lift up songs of praise into him to learn a portion of his word and to truly worship the one true and loving God. If he hadn't have done that, if he hadn't have met the expectations of his father, where would we be at today? Right? We would not be in a very good place. (laughs) I don't know about you guys, but if Jesus hadn't died for our sins and we were left to uh, account for it all on our own, we'd all be in big trouble. Maybe I shouldn't say we all. I'd be in big trouble. I know that. But he was willing to do that because that's what was expected of us. or That's what was expected of him. And he has those same expectations for us, which is the opportunity that we have to worship the one true and living God. And that we, we know and we have that peace of mind of knowing that if we're in a right relationship with Jesus Christ, then we have a chance of everlasting life. And there's nothing better. Right? You can think of the most amazing thing here on earth that you can possibly think of. Heaven is a hundred times better. I can't even fathom what heaven is going to be like, but I know I can't wait to get there. Because it's just going to be beyond comprehension. So, We talked about expectations. We talked about what happens when our expectations aren't met. So this morning, in just a few minutes, Brother Ed's going to come back up and lead us in a song. 
And one of the expectations that we have is to be in that right relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never had the opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. We know that that's the expectation that our our loving, amazing Heavenly Father has for us. And you have an opportunity to do that this morning. The baptistry is ready. It's warm. I tested it earlier. It's nice and warm. Or maybe you've had a relationship with God, but because things haven't gone your way, because you haven't gotten all of the things that you wanted, because you didn't get that job that you wanted, because you had some issues with your relationship, because you've had an you've had issues in your life with addictions or whatever the case may be, you have an opportunity to make that right before you walk out the door this morning. There's no reason for you to walk out the door this morning not having that right relationship with Jesus Christ. We know that Romans 8.28 tells us that he works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That is probably my favorite verse in the Bible. It's probably one of the first ones that I memorized other than John 3.16, because we all memorize that first, right? But we have to remember that he's got a plan for us. And we have to remember that above and beyond anything else that may be going on in our lives, he loves us. And nothing you can do will change that. He may not like the things that we do, right? He may not like the mistakes that we make, but he loves us and nothing you can do will change that. There's nothing you can do to make God love you any less. Let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this beautiful day. We thank you for this opportunity that we have to just come together, to be with one another, to lift up songs of praise unto you, to learn another portion of your word. Heavenly Father, we pray that we will just learn that with you, everything is possible to expect that unexpected, to not be afraid to ask for the things that we need, knowing that you are just this amazing, powerful, loving God and that you can do all things. And Heavenly Father, just help us to see that, help us to understand that, and help us to always look to you for those things as well. Heavenly Father, just thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for all that you do for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If there's any way that we can help you this morning, if you want to be baptized to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, if we can pray for you, if we can help you in any way, I'm going to invite you to come forward. Myself and the elders will be available to help you in any way that we can as Ed leads us in another song.